the times that I have felt the most fearful in my life or the most unhappy or the most dissatisfied is when I didn't have options. And the times that I'm the happiest in my life are when I have a job I enjoy. And I can honestly say, I love my job. I was just talking to another PA who also works in industry, but in the clinical development role just today. And I had helped him transition out of clinical practice. And he too, he was saying he loves his job. He gets up and he's excited for work. And that's right. That's a feeling we sort of haven't had maybe since, you know, starting PA school or this first year of practice when you were excited and had those aha moments. So I get asked that a lot. Jobs can be, especially the MSL role, right? They can be a little competitive. You know, doctors and pharmacists, people with doctorates are competing for these positions. And then there's other jobs in the pharmaceutical industry that a PA could Hey there, my friend. Welcome to the Powerful and Passionate Healthcare Professionals Podcast. I'm your host, Sabrina. I am a cardiothoracic surgery PA with a background in public health and neuroscience. I'm also your peak performance coach. I had to say no to working extreme long hours where I was always on call and feeling exhausted, underappreciated, and undervalued, and said, heck yes, to a life and career that elevates my energy and passion without compromising my health and sanity. Now, I'm on the mission to support ambitious healthcare professional like you with a demanding career to become a confident leader who are living purposefully and fulfilled to truly be both a powerhouse in your career and a passionate person in life. Let's start our journey today. Hi, guys. Welcome to another episode of the Powerful and Passionate Healthcare Professionals Podcast. This is your host, Sabrina, and we have the honor of having Abby Jacobson today with us. And she used to be a practicing dermatology PA and is a medical director for a mid-sized pharmaceutical company and the formal medical science liaison. She is a single mom to three kids and practiced direct patient care for 15 years. Abby has a home-based side business and a lifelong PA leader. She has empowered and mentored many PAs in her life. Welcome, Abby. Thank you for having me. Thanks for showing up here, trying to also be on the show to empower other healthcare professionals in the world of this chaos today. I think we truly appreciate for you to share a little bit background about yourself, what your journey is like, and um, how did you really decide to start pivoting out from clinical medicine to other areas of career where you're still using that knowledge in medicine, but just a different way? Yeah. So like you said, I had practiced as a dermatology PA for about 15 years and absolutely loved it. And then an opportunity presented itself for me to take a position as a medical science liaison or an MSL is what we call a medical science liaison with a pharmaceutical company. And you can Google MSL or I can tell you a little bit about it if we have time. It's a great position. I I love it. I got to use my clinical skills as an MSL. Great 
work-life balance, great compensation. I would say most PAs have about 80 to 85% of the skill set to be an MSL. But the best part, right, we're on-the-job learners. That's what our education really teaches us, that the other 15% then I learned on the job. I loved being an MSL. It was a great time in my life to exit from clinical practice for various reasons and happy in the MSL role. And then a position in my own company opened up where a medical director left very suddenly. And the vice president of medical affairs of my company asked me to fill in temporarily while they searched for a different medical director. And it was really a surprising sort of honor because there were other members of my MSL team who had been there longer, who were more experienced, were physicians. And my VP asked me, she saw the skill set, she saw the knowledge, and it's been something from day one that has been valued in my company. It was not driven by degree. Your advancement is driven by your knowledge and your skill, which is a little different, right, than in the clinical setting as far as necessarily who leads the team, right? So it was very refreshing. So I became a a medical director about two years ago, and I love it. Very different position, very different duties. I interact with my MSL team now, produce a lot of things for them and give them a lot of direction. But I love it. I deal with a lot of different areas in my company now. And I absolutely use my PA skill set on a daily basis, whether I'm interacting with our safety department, which is called pharmacovigilance, or our medical information department, or dealing with our research and development or regulatory affairs to prepare a package to go to the FDA, or dealing with researchers after drug approval to discuss clinical trial use. I use my PA skills on a daily basis, plus a new skill set. So I couldn't do this job without having that PA background. So I'm a PA who's just working as a medical director. I think that's so inspirational for people in our career. And we as uh, advanced practice practitioners, we can be medical directors as well. We can show up in a way that you truly leverage in your skills. And just like you pointed out, we're resourceful and we learn on the job. So we do need the medical knowledge to be able to decide when we spoke a little bit pre-show, um, like what does that mean? Which drug we should be considering? What's the uh, side effect, consequences? Oh, that's why the combination doesn't work. But in addition to that, as a leader, many more on personal relationship building, influence others in a positive light and bring out that ability to really show that you have the quality to lead and other people really wanted to be with you and to grow this company into a next level. So I think that's really awesome that your light shined and people notice. And I think this is what all of us want is to be validated in a way that we deserve, we want to give, we want the organization to be great, but we also don't want it to be the shadow while we're doing that. So it's awesome that you're able to do that. How can you tell our listeners, because that opportunity presented to you, if people who wanted to pivot out, how can they find these opportunities that you were able to get into? 
Yeah, you know, that's a question that I get asked a lot because some PAs are ready to leave clinical practice for various reasons. Even before COVID happened, they're just thinking it was time to find something else, right? And you and I were talking before that the times that I have felt the most fearful in my life or the most unhappy or the most dissatisfied is when I didn't have options. And the times that I'm the happiest in my life are when I have a job I enjoy. And I can honestly say, I love my job. I was just talking to another PA who also works in industry, but in the clinical development role just today. And I had helped him transition out of clinical practice. And he too, he was saying he loves his job. He gets up and he's excited for work. And that's right. That's a feeling we sort of haven't had maybe since, you know, starting PA school or this first year of practice when you were excited and had those aha moments. So I get asked that a lot. Jobs can be, especially the MSL role, right? They can be a little competitive. You know, doctors and pharmacists, people with doctorates are competing for these positions. And then there's other jobs in the pharmaceutical industry that a PA could completely do now that I'm on this other side and I see it, right? We were sort of talking about it before this call that just are never advertised for PAs or that PAs don't even know that they have the skill set for. So how do you make that leap? How did I even make that leap? How did that position sort of present itself to me? The most important thing is networking. It was someone that I knew that now had changed companies and worked for Bausch Health Orthodermatologics, my employer now, but used to work for a different pharmaceutical company that I had stayed in touch with over the years. And the way I even kind of became introduced to him was as a volunteer leader for the Society of Dermatology PAs. I spent 10 years as a volunteer leader, as a committee chair or board member. And I've also been a volunteer leader for the AAPA, the FDA I've served on an advisory committee for patient advocacy groups, my state PA society, unpaid volunteer leadership positions because number one, it helps our profession. Number two, it changes the healthcare system. And then number three, I got to meet all these amazing people and network that ended up sort of making these other things in my life. And I actually got to meet multiple people, not only for networking, but for mentorship that ended up mentoring me and giving me these invaluable nuggets of development that I continue to use to this day. The other things that were really helpful that look good in terms of improving your resume, your CV, are publishing which I know can be a little intimidating, which again, having a mentor help you with that will help, but it also enriches our PA profession. We need more PAs writing and publishing and our own journals give us that opportunity, but our own journals should not be the only target. So improving your own resume with publishing, just something I've also done, as well as teaching and preceptoring that all these roles, especially the MSL role, but even some of the other roles I was talking about, they like to see university service. PA programs right now need PA preceptors. Everybody on this call had seven to 10 people, if not more, take the time to precept you. We need to continue that tradition. It enhances your skill set to teach someone, but it also looks good 
on your CV. So, I mean, just that alone, right? I think I just gave like five things you could do to really enhance you as an applicant from, again, networking, finding a mentor, volunteering, publishing, and then getting involved in some type of higher education service. And that can be PA or non-PA specific. Yeah, so well said. If you think about, I got initially into teaching and precepting my student is that I see there was only one primary school that had rotated out with critical care, but not really anybody with surgery. And I knew that when I was a student, I wanted to be able to rotate out with multiple specialties and not just the one place I got signed to. So I created a program for my hospital and my students, when they come in, they rotate with me, cardiothoracic surgery, ortho, plastic, and general surgery, as well as neurosurgery. So they get a whole package of what majority of things in that exam, right? And then they have all of us, like you're saying, mentors, and you can ask your questions. You get things solved right away. And that's so crucial. And people don't even see how important it is, isn't it? Like when we're in school, you are forming these review groups, study groups. And so you teach each other, you mentor each other. But now it's not the same as someone who already accomplished what you needed to be. And you can get to that point a lot faster. And um, what Abby also mentioned about publication Yes, we don't have to write review articles. I'm on a committee for my team to write these surgical outcome paper. Yes, it takes a long time, right? Like, good thing I have a public health background. I like all I did back then was like review papers and writing publication. But you can also do is submitting your medical opinion for these journal articles, even let's say a healthy blog, right? These uh, magazines. And so you can find different ways to publish. It doesn't have to be just a medical research journal. So there are just so many possibilities. I think some of us haven't even thought about these are things are out there, right? And then if you think about like major news outlet, they have that health topic, right? And we can look for these topics when the reporters are asking questions. And then if you're able to give a answer that's short, they can quote you. And great. I agree. And you know, most state chapters, as well as the AAPA, they ask for speakers every year to give a session, to give a lecture. So if you're out there practicing clinically, can you not put together one hour on a topic that you feel you already know how to manage, right? And that's going to look good on your resume, but it's also going to help educate your colleagues. So again, it's little things that are just going to help you again, have a stronger CV, but also give back to the community of healthcare providers. As well as again, that also means you could lecture at nursing conferences. If you're thinking about pivoting, right? You're going to need, especially for a competitive job, right? Convincing someone like a company to hire you as an MSL or to hire you in a position that has never had a PA, right? Like Sabrina and I were just talking about departments in the pharmaceutical industry that have not traditionally hired PAs that now I can see a PA could totally do those jobs. Medical info, pharmacovigilance, research and development, CRO firms can utilize PAs more. So if you're going to try to convince them, hey, I can do this job, right? You probably need a resume that is going to look a little different or at least a little more impressive than I practiced here for X number of years. And some of that is going to be look at my publication, look at my leadership, 
look at the lectures I've given, look at the university affiliations, look at the rotation that I developed at my hospital that now gives students all these different surgical experiences. Yes, I'm the one who developed that rotation. You need to look like someone who thinks outside the box, right, is a problem solver and already is um, some degree of a expert in something at least. So they can say, you know what, that person actually is exceptional. I need them on my team. Yeah, so well said. Make yourself exceptional because you are exceptional. We got to where we are because we have some like extra ums in there, right? And then it's not that just like anybody can get into PA school. I feel like every year it's getting tougher and tougher and it's just more competitive. But then we devote two, three years into training. And at least one year just to get your feet wet, right? Feel comfortable in our own skin practicing as a clinician. And then what, right? Like people start feeling, is that really how you imagine your life is, right? And like once you get to that point, how are you already standing out among the crowd of all your peers? And that's what Abby is saying. And we don't have to do all of them but you can start doing one or two, right? You don't have to be like all of us who has done it because we took also many years to get to where we are. If you like to write, start thinking about publication, start thinking about these uh, news magazines who need help. If you like speaking, and where I came in, I started as public speaker, like what Abby is saying, do some background homework. Where's your local chapter? Are you in it? When they do monthly meeting or the annual meeting, can you be a speaker for them? Or what other chapters in a local state level or even national level that you really want to connect to to share your message? Now, my message, as many of you guys know, is about mental immunity. How can you be a better person in your own body, in your own mind, to then be more productive, accelerate. Now, this has nothing to do with clinical practice, but the end result will get you there, right? So you have something I'm sure you love to talk about. Abby, before she become medical director, she was in term for 15 years. She probably has so much to talk about in dermatology, uh, like a couple of things that people always go to her to ask, right? And even that could be the topic that you can talk about. Think about what are the questions you always get from your patients, from your peers, and those are your expertise. Yes. And the other you know, thing you, you sort of touched on, I really like the idea of PAs in roles of right, power, right? You discussed the idea of empowerment. And you know, part of the other thing I do enjoy about my role now is I get to empower other PAs, making PAs investigators getting PAs to advisory boards, funding or not funding things, picking sites where I know that there are PAs that, again, making sure when I left my MSL team and making sure another PA took my spot, not a PharmD, not a doctor, but yet another PA. And when I look at these other you know, positions that I encounter, like one of the other things I used to do as an MSL and occasionally as a medical director now is we would go to payers, someone like an insurance company. I won't name any, but an insurance company. And you present medical data about some of your medicines. And a medical decision maker has to weigh in on your medicines and ask you many questions. And that helps them determine if your medications are going to get on formulary and where they're going to get on formulary. 
And you bring other people from your pharmaceutical company as well. And they ask you lots of questions about your medicines and about the competitors too. So you have to have a really good working knowledge, everything, deep science, right? And usually the decision maker from these insurance companies was a doctor or a pharmacist. I would say 90% of the time they were pharmacists deciding what goes on formulary, FYI, 10% of the time a physician. And I said to myself, every time I encountered them, a PA could do that called pharmacy benefit manager. And I want to see a PA in that role someday. And they're never advertised for us. So I would love to encounter some PA someday when you know I walk in or one of my MSLs walk in. And that PA now has this position of power of, you know, where they're making influences, not only as a PA helping other PAs, but as a PA influencing healthcare right? Who better to know and influence the healthcare system than someone who has high quality medical education, but has actually helped and treated patients, PAs. And there needs to be more of those opportunities out there to influence the healthcare system as a PA in addition to direct patient care. That's just my personal opinion. I think it's so well said. I think it's well on the target of where we need to move into, even as a profession, it's to represent ourselves into all different industry because then we're omnipresent. Then people really know our capabilities, the one we're trained for. And it's not just the title itself. And it's not, I still get asked nowadays a lot of time, what do you do? What does that mean? And I think, yes, it, it is. I agree. That some people have heard of the title, but have not seen someone who with that title, I actually got medical treatment for it. Well, other people were still confused, even as a surgical. Oh, do you just get hand instruments? I'm like, no, I'm actually doing the surgery. And some stuff I actually do by myself. And so it's more we can represent ourselves, put ourselves out there, be proud of everything, speak up, and don't put yourself in a position where you thought that, oh, if they've been doing it for so long, maybe that's just the way it is. If the way it is can be improved, then you're the one who made that huge change for them and they'll be more grateful for you. Awesome. Thank you so much, Abby. Um, so before we wrap up, what do you think will be some of the major takeaway that you want our audiences to hear um, besides everything we have spoken about? Gosh, you know, I think that if you're watching this and you're thinking that you want to branch out that you should, you know, reach out and think about the other opportunities that are out there. Start networking, start thinking outside the box. Take some steps to um, expand your skill set, right? Before we got on this call, Sabrina and I were talking about how I started a side business at home doing Forex online foreign currency trading as just a side separate income. And that was sort of outside my wheelhouse, but I wanted to expand my skill set and push myself. So if that's you, you want to think about expanding your skill set in some way, and then take that step. One of the suggestions I put, right, we talked about, just pick one and start moving in that direction. And then make that your goal or talk to someone who has one of these non-clinical positions and just ask them out for coffee, right? 
and true, you know, ask them questions. What's their everyday like? And see if that is something that is of interest to you. Don't just keep shooting off your current CV to HR departments, because I'll be very surprised if that gets you much of anywhere. If you're willing and you're ready to make a change, it's going to have to be a little something that stands out. So if you watch this and you know you want to make a change, just like Sabrina said, just like you got into PA school, right? You had to strategize, right? You had a plan. You probably had some leadership experience. You worked for a couple of years on like a super high GPA, right? It was competitive. I went to school in the 90s. I don't know if I could have gotten into PA school now. If you want to make a change and have a job, or again, every day I wake up, I love my job. You're going to have to make a little bit of a, a plan, a strategy in order to make it happen. Awesome. Thank you so much, Abby, for your time. And I think all our audiences really appreciate all the tips that you have given them. And uh, we appreciate you and hopefully all the best and further connect with you into the future. And hopefully to have you back on another episode. Thank you. All right, everyone. Have a good day. All right, my friend. How did you love this episode? Make sure to subscribe to our show so you can continue to build your positive intelligence for that beautiful mind of yours to live powerfully and passionate. I know this just the tip of the iceberg. You probably have a lot more questions on actually how do I implement those things into my own life? Well, this is the solution. Joining us inside the private Facebook group Go to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Powerful Passionate where I go live weekly to answer any questions that you have and continue to put more resources for you to help you to get to that point. You can be both powerful and passionate where you're no longer working on any mundane work and truly focusing on the things that matter. You can be both powerful and passionate where you can overcome any mental roadblocks keeping you from success. You can be both powerful and passionate where you feel energized from the moment you woke up to the time you go to bed. Join me and together we can create a life where you can be both powerful and passionate.